Picture this. You're hanging out with your family, minding your own business, when suddenly you're abducted and separated from the rest of them. You're placed inside a small room. There are also a bunch of strangers that don't even speak the same language as you, all crowded into this tiny cell. You're confused, scared, and just want to go home. All the while, there are people on the other side of the walls watching you. For orcas in captivity, this is an everyday reality. According to the Whale and Dolphin Conservation website, in August 2019, there were 60 orcas in captivity. Most of these animals have been born in captivity, while there are some who are taken directly from the wild, separated from their families, and sent to facilities where we can watch them perform for our own entertainment. Since I was little, I had always wanted to go see the orcas and dolphins at SeaWorld. But now, through my research, I have uncovered the real cost of captivity. There are always two sides to every argument, but there is no doubt that orcas belong in the wild. Some people believe that orca captivity is the solution, not the problem. By keeping orcas in clean, controlled pools rather than their natural habitat, they think they're saving orcas from the harsh conditions they have adapted to as a species in the wild. CBS This Morning provided SeaWorld's statement to a documentary against orca captivity, Whistleblower, in which SeaWorld claimed they provide world-class care and treatment based on the latest and most advanced science and animal welfare standards. According to a video by DW Documentary, Release the Killer Whales, Laura Parquet argues that the animals are better off not being in the wild, claiming that pollution and overfishing mean orcas have it much better in the pool. Places such as SeaWorld and Laura Parque claim that their goal is to protect orcas. However, they do not bring attention to the fact that orcas are not suited to live in concrete boxes. According to the Animal Welfare Institute, in their article, Dispelling the Arguments of Captivity Proponents, wild orcas can travel 100 miles in a day and dive up to 300 feet deep, yet are confined to tanks that are usually only 100 to 140 feet long and 25 to 35 feet deep. In other words, it is approximately the size of a bathtub for these 6,000 to 12,000 pound animals. In some cases, orcas can't even hang vertically in the tanks they are confined to without scraping their tail on the bottom of the pool. Captive orcas are also viewed as advocates for those in the wild, raising awareness for conservation and pollution in the ocean. In an interview with Brooke Baldwin, Gray Stafford, a zoologist and former killer whale trainer, said, Out of sight means out of mind, and unless we have these avenues, like places like SeaWorld, to teach people to have compassion and to care about what happens to killer whales and our world oceans, uh, the future looks rather bleak for them. Ultimately, Stafford claims that the survival of the wild orca population depends solely on the entertainment and so-called education in which captive orcas provide for the public. However, more often than not, the information the public receives from places such as SeaWorld is either limited or entirely false. The Animal Welfare Society said that education offered at dolphinariums often lacks a discussion of threats facing wild cetaceans beyond pollution, especially the threat live capture poses to targeted cetacean populations. In order to keep revenue high and the stadiums filled, these parks often relay false information to the public to compensate for the negative effects of captivity on orcas. 
In the documentary, Blackfish, employees at SeaWorld recite false facts about orcas, claiming that orcas have a shorter lifespan in the wild than in captivity, and that floppy dorsal fins, seen in 100% of captive male killer whales, are common in the wild. Former SeaWorld trainer Samantha Berg said through her experience as a killer whale trainer, I thought I knew everything about killer whales when I when I worked there. You know, and everything about these animals. I really know nothing about killer whales. I know a lot about being an animal trainer or a killer whale trainer, but I don't know anything about these animals' natural history or their behavior. I really, in some ways, believed a lot of what I was learning from them because why would they lie? <laughs> Through scientific research, claims about shorter lifespans and collapsed dorsal fins have been proven wrong, which means that places like SeaWorld are misinforming their employees and the public on the unacceptable conditions captive orcas are condemned to. Orcas' compliance to perform is often misinterpreted as a love to entertain. This, however, cannot be further from the truth, as orcas are intelligent, food-driven animals who have adapted to the reward-propelled method of training that most marine parks use. At SeaWorld, their training techniques include positive reinforcement, which rewards the animals for completed behaviors. If for some reason the behavior is not performed correctly, the reward, often food, is withheld from the orca until they complete the next behavior. In other places, such as Sealand of the Pacific, in Canada, food deprivation was a technique often used by trainers. This gave the orcas the choice to starve or perform, which in reality is not a choice at all. A killer whale named Tilikum, featured in the documentary Blackfish, spent his first few years in captivity at Sealand. He was then paired with an older trained orca when he began learning the different performance behaviors. On the occasion that Tilikum was unable to complete the behavior, the trainers would not feed either orca. The older trained orcas then became frustrated, resulting in aggression towards Tilikum. This abuse Tilikum endured contributed to an indescribable amount of emotional and physical distress that most likely caused his frustration towards later trainers. Tilikum was involved with the deaths of three people, including a SeaWorld trainer, Don Brancho. Whether Tilikum acted out of playfulness or frustration, this proves just how unpredictable the behavior of these animals can be in captivity. No matter how much training, food, affection, and attention these orcas receive from humans, they are still wild animals who have been forced to perform for our entertainment. Another argument supporting orca captivity involves the obstacles when releasing captive orcas back into the wild. Keiko, the famous killer whale that starred in Free Willy, was the first killer whale to be returned to the wild after 19 years in captivity. Keiko spent a couple of years in a rehab tank at the Oregon Coast Aquarium, essentially learning how to be a killer whale again. Keiko had to learn how to swim long distances, hold his breath for long periods of time, and to hunt. However, he had been so dependent on humans that he was unable to fully separate himself and become a wild orca. After being released in Iceland, Keiko eventually swam to the shores of Norway, where he lived the rest of his life interacting with people, rather than orcas. Naomi Rose, in a video by New York Times, Freeing Willie, said, It is true that his reintegration into the wild was a complete failure. Absolutely. But... He lived for five years in Iceland and Norway. 
I'm not sure he would have lived all of those years, even in Oregon, he certainly wouldn't have lived all of those years in Mexico. So I think if you look at it that way, then it was a success. Keiko's return to the wild may have had drawbacks, but served as a spark to a better way to save orcas from captivity. A killer whale named Morgan is also a victim of captivity. Ingrid Visser shared Morgan's story in her TEDx talk, Orca Stories, describing the transfer of ownership from multiple commercial entertainment facilities and the captivity-related injuries Morgan and so many other orcas have suffered. This includes attacks from other orcas and self-harming. In the wild, at least, orcas can avoid aggressive orca behavior by simply distancing themselves. But in captivity, there is no escape from these attacks. The brutalizations from other orcas led Morgan to become stressed and she began self-harming. She had open wounds from bashing her head against the walls, and she broke and wore down her teeth by chewing on the concrete. In Visser's experience, Every place that I have been and seen orca in captivity around the world, and every single orca that I have seen in captivity shows some sign of this self-mutilation. And also other injuries, injuries that are attributed to other orca and to the tank structures themselves. They're so prevalent that the captivity industry now calls these sorts of injuries normal. Without the proper amount of mental or physical exercise that only their natural habitat can provide, orcas become deprived of their essential needs and eventually become bored. This boredom can take its toll on the orcas and like Morgan, can lead to self-harm or repetitive behaviors that serve no useful purpose. Behaviors such as staring at the concrete walls, floating at the surface of the water, and head bobbing are stereotypical behaviors that are common in captivity and have no use for orcas in the wild. In an article by Cetaceans Inspiration, Stereotypical Behavior in Captive Whales and Dolphins, Unnatural behaviors that animals are taught to do on command become habits by cetaceans and may lead to dangerous situations. The most common form of this is the use of slide-outs. This behavior is similar to an orca in the wild, in which the orca strands itself on the beach, or in captivity, the slide-outs. It has the potential to kill the orca if they stay out of the water for too long. Morgan, alongside other captive orcas, are victims to much more than just captivity, their situations affecting both their mental and physical health. If that is not enough evidence to prove how horrible captivity is for an orca's health and well-being, John Hargrove provides his account of a mother and baby being separated in the documentary Blackfish. Hargrove, a former SeaWorld trainer, said, Kasaka and Takara were very close. Kasaka was the mother, Takara is the calf. Takara was special to me. They were inseparable. When they separated Kasaka and Takara, it was to take Takara to Florida. Once Takara had already been stretchered out of the pool, put on the truck, driven to the airport, Kasaka continued to make vocals that had never been heard before. They brought in the senior research scientists to analyze the vocals. They were long range vocals. She was trying something that no one had even heard before looking for Takara. That's heartbreaking. 
how can anyone look at that and think that that is morally acceptable? It's not. It is not okay. Orcas are social animals that develop complex emotional relationships. So it's no wonder that Kasaka displayed this kind of grief when they took away her child. In the wild, pods develop strong relationship bonds in which the children never leave their mother's side. However, in captivity, these bonds are broken and artificial families are made according to the monetary needs and wants of marine parks. Wild orca pods also have distinct cultures and dialects that are unique to each pod. Captive orcas, on the other hand, are unable to communicate with orcas from other pods or develop any substantial relationships beyond those formed between their offspring. In some cases, mother orcas are incapable of even forming a relationship with their offspring due to their separation from their mother and lack of knowledge on how to take care of their baby. Although it is often unseen, captivity leaves a lasting impact deeper than any visible scar. The ideal solution to orca captivity would to bring it to an end once and for all, to end captive breeding and release all captive orcas back into the wild. In reality, most captive orcas have been born into captivity and do not possess the necessary skills for survival in the wild. Even though a whale like Keiko was able to relearn skills, he had more knowledge of the ocean that could only be understood through his experience in his early years in the wild which captive-bred orcas lack. According to Charles Vinnick, the executive director of the Whale Sanctuary Project, The best solution is to build natural seaside sanctuaries where captive whales and dolphins can live in an environment as close to their natural habitat as we can provide. They'll have a sandy bottom with critters, fish, and crabs with whom to interact. They'll have birds on the surface to chase. And they will have space more than 300 times more than the largest performance tank in captivity. Here, captive orcas will be able to experience life outside a box, foraging for food, surfing the waves during storms, and for some, being able to swim in a straight line for the first time in their lives. These orcas would also have access to veterinary care and enrichment provided by trainers. The difference is, it is the orca's decision on the amount of human interaction they receive between trainers and veterinarians. Sanctuaries would also offer the opportunity for the public to learn about orcas in their natural habitat, instead of watching them in concrete boxes performing unnatural behaviors. Another goal for these sanctuaries is for captive breeding to end, which is a fundamental difference between sanctuaries and marine parks. As Ingrid Visser put it, facilities where they use these animals for commercial entertainment. There, they view breeding as a way to generate money. Baby animals hopefully will bring in more guests who will pay more money, and also the offspring can be used for trading to other facilities and be sold. The goal for sanctuaries is for orca captivity and captive breeding to become something of the past, not for the gain of wealth, from the display of animals in cages. Foundations like the Whale Sanctuary Project are working towards the rehabilitation and retirement of all captive orcas and turning their focus to raise awareness of the conditions they are trying to remove captive orcas from.
In the end, the stronger argument is that orcas do not belong in captivity. No matter how enamored we are by these magnificent animals, we should not condemn them to pools of water when they have their place in the ocean. The next time you have the opportunity to see an orca in person, simply choose to see them in their home, not a concrete box. We have the chance to make things right, so stop supporting the exploitation of orcas. Let's do our part in making the world a better place for all species, especially voiceless orcas. Foundations like the Whale Sanctuary Project, the Free Morgan Foundation, and so many other organizations need our help in bringing awareness to orca captivity and giving orcas the freedom they deserve.